Welcome to our special Halloween episode of Fear Not, the podcast that tells us why we're afraid of all the wrong things and oblivious to what can actually kill us. Trending this week, Halloween fears. Costume kids abducted as they trick or treat. The old razor blade and the apple, are there any Halloween treats that are safe? Deranged rent-a-clown freaks kids out. <laughs> oh, Florida. And Barry's fear of the week, too much unhealthy fear and not enough of the good kind. That and so much more coming up on Fear Not. <laughs> Today is gonna be a good day. Don't care what anybody else say. Oh, I don't need a fortune cookie to tell me the way I'm feeling. Gonna be a good day. A good day. Welcome back to Fear Not. It's episode 20. I'm Alonzo Bowden here with my co-host, America's Reassurance Insurance, Dr. Barry Glasner, the world's foremost expert on fear. Hey, Alonzo, it's that time of year. Halloween candy's been in the grocery store, at least the ones I shop in, for weeks now. I don't understand why it gets there so early. And when I was driving to the studio today, I passed this big box truck, you know, the kind, and I'm talking about that you see all over L.A. Yeah. And with the big grill on front and on the grill, the whole grill was covered with this smashed up witch, you know, which I think can only mean one thing, that it's officially my time of year, fear season, man. I didn't know there was a season for that. <laughs> so it's your season. It's Halloween season. Does that make us the official antidote for Halloween? I think so. You're not going to debunk Halloween, are you? I'm not going to debunk Halloween. Uh -uh. Halloween should be fun. I'm only going to debunk the stuff that we don't need to fear. And why am I doing that? Because there's too much fear out there. People should enjoy Halloween. So this week, we're going to be all about debunking fears of the season. And to our listeners, I want to say keep sharing. Like us on the platform of your choice. We need you. That's right. We love answering your questions, so send us some more. On Twitter, we're at FearNotOfficial, or you can email us at FearNotOfficial at gmail.com. And as always, while you're there, click subscribe. Let's get this holiday started. Here we go. Headline number one. The old beware tainted treats on Halloween. The story still lives. It does, as if sugared up kids weren't scary enough on Halloween. It's the old razor blade in the apple story. This story has been around pretty much since apples. I think <laughs> Eve was the only one who safely got an apple with no razor blade in it. Just like pumpkins and hay rides, crimes involving poison and tampered with Halloween candy arrive right on time every fall around now. We sociologists have been studying this thing for decades. In fact, there's a professor at the University of Delaware, Joel Best, who's pretty famous for this. He's been researching it for years. There's even a name for all of this. It's called Halloween Sadism, and the stories are legendary. In 1970, the New York Times ran a sensational report claiming, and I quote, the plump red apple that Junior gets from a kindly old woman down the block may have a razor blade hidden inside. And we don't have to worry about that because there's no more kindly old ladies down the block. <laughs> so that, that doesn't even exist anymore. The New York Times in this 1970s story went on to say that the chocolate candy bar may be a laxative. The bubble gum may be sprinkled with lye. The popcorn balls may be coated with camphor. 
The candy may turn out to be packets containing sleeping pills. I really think we need to update these fears because I think the biggest thing you need to be afraid of, at least here in L.A., the edibles might be edible. Oh, you're way ahead of us, Alonso. Stand by. That's coming up. But going back to 1970 for a minute, that story in the New York Times cited a warning from New York State's health commissioner claiming, quote, pens, razor blades, slivers of glass, and poison had appeared in treats gathered by the state's children. Can I just jump in on this? Because specifically, I was a kid in New York in 1970. And let me tell you something. As a trick-or-treating kid... Anyone who gave you fruit, like you just threw it out. You're like, what kind of crap is this? Give me fruit. It's supposed to be candy. Nobody brought the fruit home. I hear you. Although, you know, if it had neat things in it, you might have kept it, right? And the thing is, there have been specific examples in the press dating back all the way to the 1950s. Scary sounding ones. All right, let's go back to 1959. A dentist in Fremont, California named William V. Shine handed out 450 candy-coated laxatives to dozens of kids, 30 of whom got sick. Dr. Shine was charged with, quote, unlawful dispensing of drugs. Well, you know, he's a doctor, so actually it is lawful for him to dispense drugs. I mean, if you want to get technical about it, he's he is licensed as a physician. <laughs> Good point. Then here's one from 1964 from the press. A New York housewife named Helen Feel was arrested for handing out ant poison and dog biscuits. She said she gave the stuff to kids she thought were too old to be trick-or-treating, uh, but no one got poisoned, it turns out. <laughs> See, I actually kind of like this one. Not the ant poison, but you get like some 17-year-old kid. That's not a trick-or-treater. That's a beggar. So you just give him a dog biscuit and send him on his way. And imagine they're so dumb that they don't realize it's a dog biscuit because <laughs> dog biscuits are generally shaped like bones. It's like, yeah, hmm, milk bone. Is that, that a new flavor? All right, the next one. 1970, a five-year-old appeared to have died after eating Halloween candy laced with heroin. And it turns out the heroin was added to the candy, actually, to cover up the fact that the kid had accidentally ingested some heroin he found somewhere else in the house. So that's, I think, to use the term that the Democrats are using about Trump, what you might call a cover-up. Next one, 1974, a Texas man named Ronald O'Brien gave cyanide-laced pixie sticks to five kids, including his eight-year-old son. This one's a sad one. His son was the only one who ate the poison, and his son died. It turns out that Ron had taken out life insurance policies on his kid, is the backstory to this, and he was convicted of murder, and he was executed by a lethal injection 10 years later. Here's one from 1990 that I think everybody should pay attention to. A seven-year-old Santa Monica, California girl collapsed while trick-or-treating. The police confiscated her candy to test it, and it turns out she had a heart murmur, no sign of poisoning at all. So the moral of all these stories, and there are a whole lot of them, right, is that there were a lot of reported incidents. None of them involved kids going up to a stranger's home, getting candy while trick-or-treating, and having a bad outcome. Despite that, though, when the 21st century arrived, the one we're in now, it's not like this was left behind for the previous century. 
No, it didn't bring an end to fear-mongering about Halloween treats. In fact, over the last 19 years, local TV news stations and newspapers across the country have run stories pretty much every single year. Here's one from the Philadelphia NBC station a few years ago. Now, we've had an update on that Halloween scare. Police canvassed the Kennett Square borough after two children reported finding needles inside their candy after trick-or-treating. It turns out... The children put the needles inside the candy themselves. One girl used her mother's sewing kit to hide the needles inside Twix bars. Police say no formal charges will be filed. You see, that story was a twofer for the local stations. This is what happens. First, they get to run the scare story, and then the follow-up story saying, nah, forget it, wasn't true. Fear on top of fear. Even the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, has gotten in on this act. This is from their website. They say, quote, tell children not to accept or eat anything that isn't commercially wrapped. And the National Confectioners Association, which is a trade organization, provides a list of Halloween safety tips, including this one. Only give and accept wrapped or packaged candies, which kind of is to their advantage a little bit, right? And these lists have been reprinted verbatim by police departments, city governments, and all sorts of cities around the country. The Kansas City Office of the DEA sent this one out. It says, quote, law enforcement, first responders, and parents be aware of marijuana-laced and methamphetamine-laced candy this Halloween, citing increased seizures of products that they referred to as including, but not limited to, chocolates, suckers, and gummies, they said. <laughs> they also provided a picture of candy with slightly off-brand names like Rasta Reese's, Buddha Finger, and Three Rasta Tears. Uh, this is what we were talking about a minute ago, right? Today, these are called edibles, and they're sold at high-end stores. Yeah, but here's the thing. First of all, there's no danger of a meth head giving some kid free meth. I think they <laughs> like to hang on to their meth. And every person I know who really loves weed and edibles, same thing. They're not giving them away. If they accidentally gave you the wrong gummies, they'd be chasing a kid down the street slowly, but still chasing the kid down the street saying, give those back. Or they would just think the kid's there to deliver candy <laughs> since they have the munchies. They're like, oh, the DoorDash kid just showed up. Give me that bag. See, over the past 60 years, there's never been a documented case of strangers poisoning kids with candy. We know that parents are nervous about this. So hear us out. All the rest of the scares have turned out to be hoaxes or they were committed by parents attempting to disguise their actions. There are no documented cases of kids being injured by apples or candy with a razor blade inside, which, by the way, Alonzo, would be pretty difficult to pull off. You know, I think we've talked about this. I'm a member of the Magic Castle, the Academy of Magical Arts, and there's a trick where a card is selected and somebody signs the card and then they tear it up and it's gone and then it ends up inside a lemon. Uh, I can tell you, it's really tough to pull that off and to get something inside a lemon. It would be at least as hard to get a razor blade in an apple. It ain't going to happen. And it's not as if there's an army of Halloween sadists who are out there trying to poison your kids. Other than one horrible story of a dad poisoning his own kid for insurance money, there are exactly zero known cases of any kid dying from Halloween candy. So 
where did this start, Barry? How did this fear of tainted Halloween treats get started in the first place? Well, some people blame candy companies and their advertising agencies. As mass-produced candy became the treat of choice, stories stoking fear led to factory-sealed candy as the safe alternative, which is kind of sad, in my opinion, in a way, because homemade candy can be great. Once again, we're, we're in 2019. We're going into 2020. Unless you're trick-or-treating at Martha Stewart's house, <laughs> you are not going to be getting any homemade candy. So I think this was more like, like the M&M's people hated the Reese's Pieces people. And they were like, ah, those tainted Reese's Pieces, you know. And then that's what it is. It's the various candy. Left Twix versus right Twix. I do want to thank you, though, Alonzo, because now I know what my Halloween costume is going to be. You're not going to be Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart with homemade candies. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, there will be no kids at your house. <laughs> so Halloween fears, fear or fear not? Professor Joel Best has updated his research every year since 1985, and this is the answer to your question, and I'm quoting him. I've been unable to find a substantiated report of a child being killed or seriously injured by a contaminated treat picked up in the course of trick-or-treating. So, fear not. Fear not. Except for those kids high on weed. Because I'm telling you, if you knock on their door with a bag of candy, you're losing your bag of candy. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. Headline number two, keep kids safe from kidnappers on Halloween. Now, this goes back to something in your book, right, where you talk about the fear of kids being abducted. Yeah, that's right. And this is something that parents are told to fear on Halloween. And you can see why, especially on Halloween, right? Kids are covered up in costumes. You know, they're running around neighborhoods in the dark, often without any parental supervision. It's no wonder that parents fall back on the age-old fear of child abduction. This is from a video on the social media site Big Dawes TV, which, by the way, has more than 5 million followers. He's in the house with the candy behind the door, and the kid walks up the steps and walks inside. What's up, guys? Today is Halloween. Now, I'm not going to ruin this holiday for you, but I'm going to show you why you should always keep an eye on your kids. Stop. Guys, I got like a big bag of candy in the back. You guys want to come in and get it? <laughs> I got a big, big, big candy inside. You guys want to come in and get them? Yeah. All right, come on, let's go. It's in the back. Guys, don't you ever, ever do this again. You don't go, even if you know them or not, okay? Because you never know. Even the nice people that you know sometimes could be doing bad things. Got it? Yeah. Let's go. Well, that's the creepiest thing I ever heard. Hey, kid, I got a bowl of candy inside. That's not even trying. I got some candy inside. I think even the kids are a little more savvy today where they'd be like, listen, creeper, you got to come up with a new line. But the thing is, Alonzo, all kinds of places take this very, very seriously. I mean, some places have even moved to having alternatives to traditional trick-or-treating. Like the one, the name I, I like the most for these is called Trunk or Treat. So the community comes together in a parking lot, either on Halloween on the 31st or shortly before that, and the kids can trick-or-treat out of the decorated trunks of cars. Because that's so much better. Hey, kid, come over here and check out the inside of my car trunk. <laughs> what could go wrong there? Hey, I got a bowl of candy in the back of my van. 
You know, we make fun of this one, and we should, because all of this abduction fear is fantasy. It's fantasy on Halloween and beyond. I get it. I understand why parents are nervous about this. But listen up. The U.S. Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention, the OJDP, and also the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, they both report that the total number of stereotypical kidnappings each year in the U.S. is only about 110 out of the millions and millions of kids in this country. And let, let's be clear about what this is. Stereotypical kidnappings, those are the kind that people think about, that they imagine when they hear that a child has been kidnapped. In other words, the child has been abducted by a non-family member and kept for a long time or murdered. It's tragic when that happens. But by the way, even in the very, very rare instances where these stereotypical kidnappings do happen, young children aren't usually the victims. Here's what the OJJDP says about it. Quote, the majority of victims of stereotypical and other non-family abductions were teens, not younger children, and most were kidnapped by someone they knew somewhat, not by strangers or slight acquaintances. End of the quote. A stranger kidnapping your child is literally the last thing that a parent should worry about. The actual statistic is a fraction of 1% of all kidnappings of children are by strangers. But here's the thing, Alonzo, when I talk about this in interviews or I give speeches, I'm always asked exactly the same question. It's as predictable as can be. If it might save even one child, what harm is there in the media obsessing over missing children? Okay, I, I got to jump in on this. First of all, when I was a kid, they tell you, you so bad, if somebody stole you, they bring you back. So <laughs> there, there was that. It's an easy fear. Parents mm -hmm. definitely fear this kind of thing all the time. So I think it, it's good business because it's an easy fear. It takes no effort to scare a parent into thinking their child's going to get stolen. That's exactly right. What is the harm? What's the harm of the media telling people their kid might get stolen? There's a lot of harm. It ranges from expensive and ill-conceived legislation to needlessly restricting children's ability to play and get exercise. Both of these are serious. And kids need to feel confident. They need to feel some independence and know that they're safe out there. That's important. But let's talk about that first one, the expensive legislation. Take, for example, the nationwide Amber Alert system. All right, that was named for a child who was tragically murdered in Texas back in 1996. It cost the federal government about $5 million a year, and that might not seem like a whole lot. But the states, all the states have to participate in this, and they spend many times that amount. And what's really disconcerting about this is it produces frequent notices, scary ones. You've probably seen them on highways, right? And in the media about kidnapped children, when you're driving down the road, there it is flashing in your face. And we all get these loud alerts on our phones when there's an Amber Alert. Well, see, that's what I've got, the, the phone thing. And I'm like, how'd you get my number? I don't know where this kid is. What's wrong <laughs> with you? Why are you bothering me? I was, I was at the movies. You're right. This This is a thing that costs a lot of money and it scares people. And I imagine every time there's an Amber Alert, all the other parents of young kids get scared, right? They're like, see, another kid is gone. Another kid is gone. That could have been my kid. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's around you all the time. But the chance that any of these kids in an Amber Alert was kidnapped by a stranger and harmed is tiny, tiny. Almost all of those 
are by parents or acquaintances. A lot of times it's just parents who are going through a nasty separation. Yeah, the custody battle. And getting back to Amber Alerts, when criminologists from the University of Nevada studied Amber Alerts, here's what they found, and I'm quoting them. The system does not typically work as designed, meaning to save children who are in life-threatening danger. And it might be generally incidental to the safe return of most of the hundreds of children for whom the alert system is said to have been successful. Meanwhile, the panic over child kidnapping harms children. Kids should certainly be taught common sense rules about interacting with strangers. But parents who raise their children to view every adult with distrust are doing them a disservice. Part of parenting is to teach trust and self-confidence in your kids. Okay, Barry, at the end of the day, child abductions on Halloween. Fear or fear not? Fear not. It's time for Fear Florida, and here's the headline. Creepy 65-year-old clown terrifies misbehaving kids for cash. This is a story from a while ago, but it's our Halloween show, so it's worth revisiting. Now, this is according to the Washington Post. Desperate parents in Naples, Florida, have a new weapon in their arsenal for reining in misbehaving kids. His name is Wrinkles. He's a creepy-looking clown who has been spotted at gatherings in public and outside people's homes for the past few years. Wrinkle's real face remains hidden beneath a distinctive mask with large black eye holes and receding white hair. He favors a polka-dot onesie with black rubber gloves, and he's rarely seen without a bundle of colorful balloons in one hand. A slight paunch gives him the unnerving appearance of a menacing man-sized baby who lurks in sewers and children's closets. <laughs> For a few hundred bucks, he'll make an appearance at your party or gathering, prank your friend, or even scare your misbehaving kids straight. You can't miss his red and white polka-dot suit. I love his balloons, too. Those are just... A great addition. Or his creepy face mask. Pretty terrifying for me. I mean, I'm not really that scared of clowns, but seeing that makes me a little nervous. Meet Southwest Florida's Wrinkles the Clown. People pay me to go scare their friends. Uh, people pay me to go dance at their parties. Uh, you know, that kind of thing's bar mitzvahs and whatnot. Ever since these kids put me on the internet, I mean, my floor rigs nonstop. It's ridiculous. An internet hit. And if you haven't seen this video, good luck going to sleep tonight. This creepy clown quietly lurking in this little girl's room. I think he's pretty cool. I like him a lot. It's fun because it's scary. I mean, it's bringing in the Halloween spirit. <laughs> I have a question for you, Alonzo. How much do you have to pay him to not show up? I love the fact that they say a creepy looking clown and then give the detailed description. Like just <laughs> listen, a sixty-five year old clown is by definition creepy looking. <laughs> Absolutely. Well he's doing good business. Now Wrinkles has declined to give his real name. Good idea. Good idea. <laughs> Smart Wrinkles. <laughs> but he said he's a sixty five year old Rhode Island transplant and military veteran who worked various jobs throughout his career before retiring a few years ago. After his arrival in Florida, he noticed that other people his age were playing golf and shuffleboard and hanging out at country clubs. Wrinkle said being a boring retiree just wasn't him. He ordered a clown mask online, created some business cards and stickers advertising his phone number, and began to indulge in his lifelong appreciation for clowning. Over the next few years, his legend grew as Florida teenagers shared wrinkle sightings on social media. 
So here's some more of this story. He was hired by one mother looking for a way to reform her troublemaking 12-year-old. Now this is from Wrinkles. He was scared of clowns, and I showed up across the street from him at the bus stop, and he just started crying in front of his friends and ran home. His mother called back a few days later and said, thank you. Now when he acts bad, she just asked him, do you want Wrinkles to come back? <laughs> is that even legal? <laughs> you know what, Alonzo? If you're going to turn into Wrinkles, right, the scary clown at 65, and you're in Rhode Island, you got to move to Florida. Absolutely. Although I don't know that he should be giving up his hook like this. It's going to be a <laughs> bunch of other clowns trying to move in on Wrinkles' action. <laughs> it's fun, he told the Post. You get to be someone else. You get to be someone people are petrified of, and some people want you to come home with them. <laughs> All right, Wrinkles getting a little kinky here. For Wrinkles lovers, his appeal is partly a result of his terrible attitude. Unlike nice clowns who cater to children, Wrinkles isn't particularly fond of young people and got bored making stupid little balloon <laughs> animals. In a world sanitized by glossy reality television shows and helicopter parents who obsess over their kids' feelings, Wrinkles considers himself a remnant of a forgotten past. I'm just a good old-fashioned clown, he said. When I was a kid, it was okay to scare kids. I want to bring scary back. Evidently, sometimes scary comes back to him. Wrinkles said he's received requests from people to help them dump a body and regularly receives explicit requests to engage in lurid behavior. Okay, all right. This has Florida written all over <laughs> it. I, I love this. We're burying bodies in the Everglades. We got hot strip club clowning. I love it. He always declines, he said, lying to us. Right now, he said he's booked through January. I got women calling me all the time, young ones too, like weird goths with chains and stuff. I've had enough psycho women in my life already. That's why I'm divorced. <laughs> How bad is it for a woman's ego, for her self-esteem, when she calls Wrinkles the clown and offers him a hookup and he's like, nah, you're weird. <laughs> Instead of dumping a body or helping people live out their strange fantasies, Wrinkles says he'd really prefer to get hired to stand awkwardly in a corner at your bar mitzvah. I may be 65, but I can still cut a rug. That's how we know he's 65, because he used the expression, cut a rug. From now on, I think whenever we say Florida, we just say Wrinkles the Clown. Well, Barry, I'm okay with this story. I like Wrinkles the Clown, but I do not for one minute believe that a hot 25-year-old goth in some leather spandex outfit calls Wrinkles and says, hey, I have a fantasy. And Wrinkles says, no thanks, I'm going to the bar mitzvah. <laughs> You're lying, Wrinkles. Fear Florida. It's time for Barry's Fear of the Week, and I'm betting it has something to do with Halloween. It does. We've talked about the exaggerated and mythical dangers to children on Halloween, but the real dangers are not candy, creeps, or clowns. So what are the real dangers on Halloween? The actual risks are much more down-to-earth. Let me run through them. Some studies say that on Halloween, children are four times more likely to die by getting hit by a car than they are other times of the year. And here's a lot of the reason why. If you mix a favorite party holiday for adults, where many of them drink, of course, with masses of kids walking in the street after dark, 
you can see that this would happen, that it would be more likely that they'd get hit by a car than other times. Yeah, this is something that I remember when they uh, started doing more reflective costumes because they wanted to make the kids more visible at night. And it, it really is dangerous. So, so rather than worry about your kid being abducted, you should worry about people being able to see your kid if he or she is walking around at night. Right. You should worry about you and your friends driving around after you've had a few drinks. Another one of the dangers that's real is fire, Halloween decorations, especially things like pumpkins with candles and some of the costumes. They can be real fire dangers. And of course, they're everyday crimes like theft, physical assaults, bullying. These are usually committed by older kids, teenagers mostly, and sometimes adults. So, Alonzo, what do we do about this, about these real dangers? Say it with me. Common, Common sense. sense. You got it. Go out with your kids, especially with the younger ones. Choose a safe Halloween costume. Just make sure it's made of fire retardant materials and it doesn't restrict eyesight or movement. And you can use a battery-powered light in your jack-o'-lantern. That'll avoid open flames. If you're going to be out on the road with your children, beware of other drivers. Assume that some of them have started their Halloween party already and might be coming from a bar. Do things like entering driveways and alleys carefully. Drive very slowly around neighborhoods. But you know what the biggest danger on Halloween is, in my estimation? Not taking advantage of the holiday to enjoy some good, old, healthy scares. On this podcast, every week... We work to help people ditch fears that they don't need, that aren't good for them, that aren't good for the world. But you know what? There's research showing that one kind of fear can be good for you. Scary entertainment, like horror films, suspense novels, haunted house displays, ghost stories. There are really serious studies about why being scared under the right circumstances can actually be good for people. A couple of professors of psychiatry at Wayne State University wrote a really good summary of the research that's been done on this. Here's what they found. They identified three factors that can make scary entertainment good for us. Distraction, social learning, and context. So when something scary happens in that moment, we're on high alert and we're not preoccupied with other things that might be on our mind, like problems at work or in a relationship. And that brings us back to the here and now. It interrupts our worrying. It makes depressed people less depressed. And when we watch a scary show or we go to a haunted house with friends or loved ones, usually we're going to find that emotions can be contagious in a positive way, not just a negative way. And then when you look over at your friend at the haunted house and she's quickly gone from screaming to laughing, socially you're able to pick up on her emotional state, these psychiatrists are saying, and that can positively influence your own emotions. And it also can show you that you can do this in other places when you're feeling down. That just looks like a smooth tender move right there. <laughs> okay, you look over and she's gone from screaming to laughing. You can pick up on her emotional state positively influence your own. Yeah, I bet it does. And then you can do that in other places. Barry, what the hell are you selling here? This is a G-rated podcast. <laughs> and then finally, there's context. When we overcome the initial fight or flight rush that comes from fear, we've talked about that a lot of times on the show, we're often left feeling satisfied, reassured of our safety, and more confident in our ability to confront the things in our real lives when we're made afraid in a controlled situation. See, Barry, I hate to tell you this, but this is why people don't like scientists. Can't they just say it's fun to be scared? 
I mean, that kind of took all the fun out of it and made it a scientific thing that uh, we're left feeling satisfied and reassured of our safety. <laughs> no, no, we've just had fun and it's a movie and Jason isn't really going to kill you. And that, my friend, is why I'm a scientist and you're a comedian. So give me the scientific answer. Fear Halloween or fear not. You can fear drunk drivers if you want. You can fear flammable costumes. You can definitely fear Wrinkles the Clown. But don't fear Halloween and see a scary movie because it's fun. Must be the season of the witch. Must be the Listen, it's fear season, so we're not going to do a nightcap, especially in light of Barry's warning about drunk drivers on Halloween. Good idea. Have a great fear-free week. See ya. See ya. Today is going to be a good day. Don't care what anybody else say. Oh, I don't need a fortune cookie to tell me. If you like what you heard, hell, even if you hated what you heard, hit the subscribe button and tune in every week. Give us a five-star review to help us rise on the charts. And as always, if you hear news stories that make your hair stand on end or they sound like someone is trying to fill you with fear, send them to us at fearnotofficial.com or tweet us at fearnotofficial. And we'll see if we can uh, find the truth. Let us know what you're scared of. Fear Not is a Stone and Company Entertainment production, hosted by Alonzo Bowden and Dr. Barry Glasner. Executive produced by Scott A. Stone. Produced and edited by Adam Everest. Written by Scott A. Stone, Barry Glasner, and Adam Everest. Alonzo writes stuff too. Don't believe him. Our sound engineer is Tim Moore. Legal Beagles, Loeb and Loeb. Crack accountants are 10 key accounting. Special thanks to Gary Brown, Betsy Amster, and Adam's imaginary girlfriend.